All right. Welcome back to the MindWorks Podcast with Dre and Kev. Welcome back. Welcome back. So today's discussion, we're actually going to be talking a lot about like violence, right? And I think a lot of things, I think this topic is actually a very important topic because violence is kind of all around us today. And um, another reason why I think it's important to talk about is because, you know, I think my personal belief is that violence and aggression start at a very young age. And I also believe that there's genetic components to violence and aggression and also environmental components to violence and aggression. So I think it's a very important topic to talk about and discuss because there's so many things that we could touch on here. Um, one question could be, you know, when does, when does aggressive behavior start? And why are some people more aggressive than others? Why is that? I mean, these are questions that we should be asking and trying to understand and figure out because it's important to understand. I think recently there has been a lot of stuff going on, like, I guess in, you know, I guess you see so much violence on social media too, right? Like just, just this morning I woke up and I saw like a, a guy getting hit by a car in one of the social media sites. And then like, yeah, like this, this, like a cop was chasing this car and then the car like slammed right into this guy and the guy went flying and they both slammed in, into this building and the building came tumbling down on these two, these two cars, which was crazy. So violence is kind of all around us. And I wonder what's that, what that does to people psychologically. I'm also curious, when is violence acceptable? When, when is violence okay as well? But like you were saying, I think it starts at a very early age. And, you know, when you asked me the question about violence, the first thing I, I was thinking about is just survival and having to be violent in order to survive. And I guess I base everything on survival maybe because I, I feel like I always go back to that. But that's our most primitive instance. That's what we want to do. We want to survive and reproduce. And if we are in harm's way, then we have to take dire measures in order to survive. Like, I, and I, you know, and then there's other situations like the one that you were talking about with the car and things where it's just in people are just enraged and they become violent. And now more than ever, we were seeing a lot of mass shootings. We're seeing a lot of violent behavior online. So this is something we got to really talk about because it's definitely correlated and related to mental health. Yeah. Like, I guess like an interesting question that a lot of people always have is like, why do people shoot up schools and things like that? Like what causes an individual to act in such a violent and aggressive manner? There are a lot of things that are probably flowing through your mind as that question is being asked. And I could definitely understand. I do believe a lot of times violence comes from the family. As a clinician, I've noticed that when I work with children as young as like nine or, you know, eight, seven years old, uh, you know, there tends to be like, so where do I begin with this? <laughs> so let's, let's first start off with the DSM-5, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual Mental Disorders. Let's first start there, right? So oppositional defined disorder, let's call it like more of a mild form of behavioral problems that include like aggressive type of acts. But conduct disorder is like the, I guess, gold standard disorder for kids that engage in violent behavior. So if someone who's oppositional is just a child that may just, you know, not listen to their parents or not listen to their teachers or not listen to authority figures, they kind of have like a authority complex, but they're not violent individuals. They can actually be nice people. They can be nice to others, whatever the case may be. They just might be a little bit defiant. Conduct disorder is more of a violent type of disorder. This is where kids actually tend to engage in behaviors such as like throwing desks, hitting teachers, hitting parents, hitting other students. Uh, once 
I actually had like a client. Uh, it was like a nine year old kid who brought like a beer beers on the school bus. Damn. Yeah, and like drank beers Turn on up. the school bus. Yeah, <laughs> turned up at such an early age drinking beers on the school bus at nine years old, and the teachers found the empty beer bottles in his bag, mm. and you know, obviously there goes a, a ACS case, right? Yeah. So it's a very there's a lot of crazy things I've heard in this field as a as a mental health counselor. So conduct disorder, if it's diagnosed in a child. Uh, in, er, in early in their development, it can become antisocial personality disorder. And antisocial personality disorder is one of those disorders where the individual lacks empathy, they lack remorse, they feel no, um, you know, and don't don't confuse antisocial with like shyness. Antisocial personality disorder is more based on like, um, you know, being anti to the society, right? Like anti-laws, anti-morality um, and things like that. So these individuals tend to have a lack of empathy. They tend to be, they come off as violent. They might even be like um, sociopathic or psychopathic individuals that, you know, might murder or do violent things, right? So as a clinician, to be honest with you, I, I've only probably have worked with like a couple of individuals with antisocial personality disorder, I honestly try to like avoid those individuals because those individuals are very hard to work with and you would rarely find them in therapy. They aren't the individuals that would say, hey, okay, I need to change my problem. I, I have a problem. I need to change. You would not find these individuals in therapy unless they're mandated by courts or if they're mandated by like a judge or whatever the case may be. So that's, that's where we can begin. Now that you guys have a greater understanding of these sort of behavioral um, disorders related to violence and aggression... Now we can talk about, I guess, like, you know, where does it stem from? Well, I mean, conduct disorder and ODD, oppositional defiant disorder, are typically diagnosed in kids. And conduct disorder can be diagnosed in a child as early as nine years of age, according to the DSM. So it's actually very interesting uh, disorders. And now the question is, what causes these things? So when I work as a clinician with children who are, you know, who are diagnosed with conduct disorder... When I, when I work with the parents, <laughs> the parents, and I'm, you know, like I find myself saying, huh, no wonder, right. <laughs> you know, like, like, oh, no wonder why you have these problems. Right. right? So if, if I'm always constantly saying that when I work with a child with conduct disorder, I'm just like, you know, kind of like questioning, like, you know, this is this is interesting. Right. And once again, some kids, I'm mindful of, you know, the diagnosis and the labels and things like that. The oppositional defiant disorder child, I, you know, their parents t can typically come off as nice people. They don't, you know, I don't notice any any issues with them. They don't seem violent either. They're not like abusive verbally or physically. It's just oppositional defiant disorder is more of a milder form. And then when I see those kids' parents, once again, I'm like, ah, it makes sense, kind of. So as you get into this field, and I don't know about all the other social workers out there, but I know for a fact you probably notice the same thing working with kids with conduct disorder and these behavioral issues and how the parents are. I'm pretty sure you see some sort of similarity patterns as well. You can't deny it. I don't know. What do you think about all that? I 100%. I think that a lot of times it does come from parents. I guess my big question is, are some people more predisposed to being violent individuals, number one? Yeah. And also, how come the parents are so violent? or aggr overly aggressive and i think that might be a uh, generational thing i think it might be just handed down by uh, not having autonomy not being empowered or not just 
being in control of your own life and having to be violent in order to gain that control back. Mm-hmm. Right. So my big thing is, you know, thinking back at slavery and during that time and colonization and the Christianization of the world where, you know, there was a lot of violence. It was like, you're either going to believe in this, you're either going to succumb to this or you're going to get a sword to the neck. And it was, and, you know, I think that's hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of years of that. And I think in both, in both sides. So like one in one angle, those who were oppressed and those who were violated, you know, they have that genetic disposition in, in their genes but also those who were violent as well like we kind of like forget about those folks who you know have that also in their um genetic disposition where they're less empathetic where they're less uh you know give a fuck really and it's by any means necessary that they're gonna be in power or they're gonna have the power over other people and I think that is handed down till nowadays right we see a lot of times where these folks who are committing these white men, mostly who are committing these violent, heinous acts, a lot of times they have like these manifestos of things of like white supremacy and all that. So yeah, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm headed. It's uh, it's there. It's there in the history. Is there in the ancestral blood? So it doesn't surprise me actually when they're like going to these gay clubs, when they're going to these schools, and they're doing all these mass shootings, and they get you know a little pat patting the booty and get arrested all nicely and they have a whole trial for the world to see yeah. right i i think that's part of being in power mm-hmm. like you get to be violent and you get to get away with it a lot of times mm-hmm. as opposed to those who have not had power throughout their you know history so you basically think that like because like historically speaking do you think it's the fact that they like learn cognitively social cognitive social learning you think so basically what you're saying is cognitive social learning to some degree mm-hmm. influence can be an influencer to people's violent acts. For sure. So and also like yeah. genes. I don't know. I'm a believer that things stick in your genes and in your blood. And as you have children and offsprings, like they have part of that as well. Yeah, I think that's like one avenue. But then there's also the other avenue as well, where like I think individuals that act violent, um, you know, like the typical person who was bullied as a child then becomes into a... Um, a place of authority yeah. and then they misuse their authority because of all those uh, issues that they faced being bullied as a child. So like they, you know, project all that trauma in their past onto their authority. And then they obviously do things like kill other people. And, For sure. you know, so it's very interesting how it could go kind of like both ways. So yeah, I guess in general, there's a huge cognitive learning aspect to people's violent acts and aggression to some degree. Now, when it comes to violence, I kind of want to bring it back to, um, once again, personality. And one of the biggest personality psychologists that we've been talking about and kind of like are really familiar with is Isink, right? Isink was a psychologist that basically um, believed the fact that certain personality traits are actually heritable, mm-hmm. such as uh, especially aggression and psychoticism is mm-hmm. what he coined it, right? So basically psychoticism tends to be uh, he believes psychoticism has a very highly heritable characteristic in in people, like yeah. on a genetic basis. He theorized this stuff back in like the 1970s, 1980s. Now, 20, 30 years later with contemporary research, now we can really identify that there are some heritable psychotic, 
I guess, genetics that influence people's aggressive behaviors. So it's not only just, um, you know, socially influenced, but there's also a genetic component, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we have to talk a little bit about the idea of epigenetics, mm. you know? So basically, like, let's say you're born with this uh, genetic component of being an aggressive individual. Yeah. And then you go into your environment and your environment is a very hostile environment. Mm. Therefore, your genetic expression of the aggression is going to be expressed greater. Mm. So therefore, you are more prone to being uh, an aggressive person. Mm. And that's the idea of epigenetics. I believe that. I believe that. And I guess always what I try to think is think of ourselves as the most primitive state and also comparing ourselves to other primitive mammals in the world. And I can think of like dogs, right? We all say, you know, dogs are man's best friend, but I think certain dogs have different traits than other dogs, right? We, we hear that we've heard in the past a lot more than now that pit bulls are more aggressive, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's part of it. I think it's part of like a genetic, maybe the pit bulls were more like came from a breed of wolves or something, right? And mm -hmm. there are other breeds as well, not just pit bulls. That's just the most common one yeah. that are, are a little bit more aggressive. And that's just like, like you said, heritability. Mm -hmm. um, and that also kind of connects to also like how we react to like trauma as well. Like I, in, in reading one of the books, um, The Body Keeps the Score, they talk about how, you know, a couple of dogs were in a flood and, you know, how they all reacted to that flood differently after they survived. Some of them shied away, caught in a corner. Others were actually aggressive. Others, they just acted like nothing happened. Like it was in just another day. Mm -hmm. So definitely, definitely, definitely heritability. It's part yeah, of it. Yeah, heritability plays a huge role. Um, and then now let's talk a little bit about the uh, chemical component to it, right? Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, there's an enzyme within our bodies called monoamine oxidase which is MAO and MAO is a very interesting enzyme because it actually has a strong correlation with risk-taking behaviors. So basically like somebody who has a high amount of MAO within their system might actually be more prone to taking risk to being a risk taker and doing violent acts and not just in risk taking and violence, but also risk taking in sexual acts and mm. violent acts and things like that. So there's a huge, um, chemical component as well to people's aggressive nature and their, um, you know, violent ways of being, which is very interesting. Do you believe people could be verbally violent? Is that a thing? Yeah, I think, you know, I think typically as humans, once again, we got to look at aggression on a spectrum, especially if it's a, you know, it's a trait descriptive adjective at the end of the day, being an aggressive person, like you're basically describing. And like if I say, oh, you know, um, Kev gets angry easily, you're like an aggressive individual, right? I mean, right. we all probably know somebody who's pretty much uh, kind of like at least aggressive to some extent. And sometimes you as an individual as well might experience uh, yourself being aggressive and you might feel like you're stepping out of character for yourself when you get into those modes, right? Mm -hmm. So aggression lies within all of us because once again, we all have those sort of chemicals within us flowing through our bodies and things like that. And I think just humanistically wise, if you want to look at it from an evolutionary perspective, you know, like we come from gatherers and hunters and things like right. that. So it's within our blood and within our nature to act violent. I mean, also remember, the United States is only about, like, what, 275 years old? Facts. So, like, I mean, like, you know, if, if you really think about that, like, you know, we're evolutionized from just, like, three, like, six or seven centuries away from, like, gatherers and hunters to some degree. 
That's a good way to put it. You know what I mean? So, like, we're not that far off from, like, that genetic inheritability of gatherers and hunters to some degree. Yeah. And I think going with that, being hunters and gatherers, we, in the past, our ancestors needed enough resources and just means of survival. So sometimes it was very competitive out there where there wasn't that much to eat. Or there wasn't that much, there wasn't that many places to have shelter. You had to kill. So you had to like kill a family to get their shit at the end of the day, right? So you had to kill, you had to hunt animals, you had to kill animals, you had to like rip open a fucking like a a pig and freaking throw it on a stick and roast it. Right. (laughs) Right. I, I guess I'm also thinking, you know, when you said the parents influence as well. Like, I'm thinking, like, my nieces, maybe one or two of them, when they were young, they would bite. They would bite oh, one of their siblings. They would go. bite um, other little kids because, mm-hmm. hey. Who, what do you think it was? I think it was also <laughs> instinctively part of that. Like, they were feel less empowered. Like, they felt like in they were, they I'm were not, threatened I'm in not, some way. I'm not going to, like, jump and start accusing your what is it you say your nephew so what is that you're like it was yeah my nieces yeah so like your brother so like your brother and his partner are they kind of like a no no, they're they're actually very passive and they're have a really good relationship yeah like but are they like like kind of like they yell at their kids a lot do they get easily tempered are they kind of like they're hardcore roman catholic okay Sunday. These folks don't have a uh, okay. Uh, uh, if right. if anything, they might be a little too uh, just yeah. They don't put their hands in their on their kids. It's not like where I grew up, man. Okay, where my well, siblings grew up. Because I'm a big believer. You know, once again, like the fact that you're saying that, like, all right. So I have my son in 3K, right? And then there's this kid that like literally in the beginning of the year bit him on his chest. Oh, and like I, you know, like obviously as a parent, I'm. I'm fucking mad about that yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah, so it's sure. like so then i'm like questioning like what makes a child do right. something like that if it's not the parents if it's not the i mean i don't know if it's not the parents because i don't know like what well let's like, say it's not the parents so let's what say it's not be. the parents so then what would it be would have to be some sort of like inherited trait from the parents to some degree i mean i don't know like like i guess uh, or like maybe social learning what are they watching at home or do the do your do your does your brother and his wife do they watch like violent shows in front of them sometimes without realizing that they're doing that you know what i mean like cuz then that's observational social learning and they're probably modeling that behavior from something that they saw yeah no we're actually quite surprised and again i have seven nieces and nephews so, oh, it's so only that, like that two might of them. be something as well like if you have a lot of nieces and nephews do they live together the seven all of them they're pretty kids? close but they, i mean it's like three 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 okay yeah. so basically like so then all right i mean if you're a child in an environment with like two other siblings I mean, hey, I, that's my toy. No, it's my toy. Yeah. Uh, no, screw you. I want to play with it. No, mine, yeah, mine, Yeah, where mine. does a biting come into play? Yeah, you know, when like, does that aggressive act come into how play? How do they learn that? Like, yeah. that biting someone is harmful. They're like, that that's, they're, yeah. That that's like okay or something. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, Obviously, it was when they were a lot younger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw that when they were like one or two. Mm-hmm. Once they got older, they, they stopped that. But I don't know. I was just curious of where they learned that. Like yeah, you said, like maybe I, they saw it on TV. I don't think so. I think it just. I, mean, I think I mean, we know at some at some point in our life we know that our teeth is like our weapon in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we again when we feel like in harm's way or we are our something is being taken from us because it's usually like they were in a confrontation of some sort and then they'll get. 
they'll do the biting. So, like, another thing I want to talk about also is, like, with the biting, like, this was related to violence, is, like, okay, so, like, in my situation with my son, you know, we did go to the school and we were, like, what the hell are you guys doing, you yeah. know? And, like, you know, like, can you switch them out of the classroom or something? Because this kid wasn't just supposedly not just, like, you know, biting my biting son. He was, he was hitting everyone and oh, being very aggressive towards yeah. everyone. So we're just, like, you know, what are you guys doing? And then, they, you know, like, they... Well, saying, well, we're going to put an extra teacher. They put an extra teacher for like one or twice a week yeah. on that kid. And I'm just like, yo, you guys need to, because then it happened again. Oh. And it happened again. Wait, bit your son again? Yeah, like not bit, oh, but hit, like pushed my son and then oh. hit my son. And, then, you know, my son is experiencing all this like negative violence and stuff like yeah. that. And then the school system is saying like, oh, well, we can't discriminate against the kid and put him in a different classroom because that's discrimination. Here we go. Once again, this mm. fucking inclusivity garbage. Like, it's just like, it's, it's such garbage, man. So like, then your son is getting the brunt of it all. Yeah, like and that's get. the thing about being inclusive. Like, inclusivity does not solve problems, people. Like, people have to understand, inclusivity does not solve problems. It creates problems and doesn't get rid of problems. Just because you don't want to discriminate against a child and his behave, his aggressive behaviors, not everyone has to suffer for it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's because you want to be inclusive and not discriminate. You want to, like, no, you have to, you have to set certain boundaries. And I'm pretty sure any parent would agree with me on that. Like, that if a child bit your child at school, wouldn't you want that child, wouldn't you want the school to put that child in some sort of like other classroom or other program because then that affects your child's learning and affects the other kids learning as well and their social experience. I think if you had a little bit more privilege and maybe. Yeah, I had know, money, right? Like, yeah. oh, yeah, hey, I'll slip you $10,000. Just move the kid out of the class, please. And then. Yeah. Or social status. I'm yeah. sure that. Like if I was like a. Off. Like if I was like a famous individual or a politician or, or a something politician. and i say hey man i could come after you because exactly. you guys and then that would scare them and so, then and yeah. I, I know and I, and I brought this up to in one of my classes i think it was a personality psychology class and one of the other adults there was this it was like this black lady she was saying that you know it's the same situation happened to her mm. and she went into the school and she's like uh-uh i don't play that i yeah. went into the school and i said what i had to say and then they moved the child into a different classroom and yeah. i'm just like damn i need some of that aggressive nature of yours yeah i mean you have it you have it yeah, but like we spoke to the school and like you know like we were too they, politically yeah correct. we were too like we were too, yeah I was too like coming like you know I'm a I'm a mental agreeable. health counselor yeah I'm too agreeable yeah. exactly yeah I'm way too agreeable that's a that's one of my flaws in my personality oh, we're gonna try that. to separate them we're gonna put in the teacher okay Andre, okay don't worry about it okay. it's not gonna happen again all right good thank you thank you right like right. no but like you have to kind of put your foot down and I think another student even expressed to me once that she like uh, got the got a child out of that classroom because she really went hard as well mm. on it. So like, I think like with schools, you kind of have to be like strong on them. And then somebody actually advised me, which was an interesting piece of advice. He was like, you know, if that ever happens again and the school doesn't do anything about it, just call the cops. Oh, it's, 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 um, it's assault. Yeah. So call the cops, set a statement. If the parents aren't doing anything to change their child's behavior, if the school isn't doing anything to help change the child's behavior, call the cops. Right. And I was just like, damn, imagine like, Going to that extent of getting cops going into a 3K classroom and arresting a three-year-old. <laughs> like, what? How much trauma is that going to bring? Even Probably even to like my own son. Right. Like, seeing that. Yeah. So I don't even know if that's the right answer. So but, what's the solution? What's your solution? Uh, I guess just be like the students that say, put your foot down on the school and really say, we're going to have a problem if you guys don't do anything about it. Yeah, damn. It's crazy, though, man. I can't it's even crazy. put myself in that situation. I don't even know what I would do. Yeah, right? It's, like, tough, that's, man. Because you feel serious. bad for your child. You feel bad for his education. You think, like, how is this going to influence my child and his aggression? Right. 
True. Because you're, now you're taking this child's aggress- aggression and you're learning it. And, and You know what I mean? So or maybe he's feeling resentful of it or disempowered, disenfranchised. And then, you know, who knows how that's going to manifest later on. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you addressed it. Mm-hmm. I think course. that's the first step to it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Again, that's again, that's like the power thing. Like you not being in power, you not being able to protect your kid, you yeah. not being able to do that, and and then me also being like a mental health counselor and trying to and being so empathic to everyone, like understanding, right. like oh, okay, that oh, child probably, probably just has, has problems. Yeah, and like the parents, all right, Jeez. you know what I mean? Like agreeable, agreeable, empathetic, empathetic, empathetic. Starting to become like pathetic at that point, right? Pussy, <laughs> <laughs> pathetic, like you know, yeah. emp. Pathetic. I think that's yeah. why they. Why, why is it called empath, empathetic, right? Because it's like you're being pathetic if you're empath. I don't right. know, but I don't know. It's interesting though. Sometimes you just got to put your foot down in these situations. But um, when is violence a good thing? When is violence necessary? Violence is necessary. I think we talked about this in our in our in our last episode about like you know like yeah like when is it uh, appropriate to like yeah. use violence and stuff like that? And to be honest with you, I don't think there's a right answer to that. Like I think it's like. You know, because violence in society can lead to, like, an arrest or some sort of conse- negative consequence. So, like, let's say if someone's being hostile to you, then you'll be hostile back. And let's say you get in a fight with that person in a school, both of you are getting expelled or suspended. So then you lose some of your education. You're on the street. Somebody acts hostile to you. You act hostile back. That person has a gun, shoots you in the face. You're dead. Uh, then is it appropriate to act in violence in those cases? So every every situation is kind of different, but I think in most cases the consequence of being violent is just worse than being peaceful and just moving moving away from the situation or mm. or you know allowing yourself to leave the situation as as much as you can. How about when you're in harm's way? Because I know there's a lot of states that have like a stand your ground law. Oh, like with the guns? Where with the guns, where it's mm-hmm. like if you're in harm's way and then someone is trying to harm you and is violent towards you, then you have the right to protect yourself and harm someone else before you die, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, is that? I mean, there's a lot of politician, there's a lot of talk about, you know, um, taking away our Second Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. And because of the violence or because of the the consequences of people who cannot control themselves, is that is that a, is that a, a, a acceptable time to be violent? I mean, I guess because it's kind of like you're protecting yourself. I mean, like, yeah, let's say like, you know, in your environment, you're living in the middle of nowhere and cops are like an hour away. Um, I think having your gun in your house is helpful because if someone tries to intrude, what is calling the cops an hour away going to really do? Right. You know, like by the time the cops get there, you're, you got robbed. You probably got killed. You, you know, so you need to, I think you need to protect your family. So I think like, I, 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 I agree with like, if you're living in an environment like that, I agree that you should have a gun to protect yourself. I think that's necessary. I mean, I would want a gun if I was living in like in like uh, Louisiana or something like and like my neighbors are like a mile away and like nobody's around and yeah. it's dark and scary in the middle of the night. You feel and, like, safe in New York City? In New York City, I think is like I, I mean, I'm not saying I, I would feel safer, but I think that should also apply in New York City to some extent. Yeah. But I think I don't think you should be bringing your guns out to the street. But I think it's important to have some sort of protection in your house 
for some reason, just in case anything were to happen. Like just the other day when all these, you know, Chinese balloons were in the sky and you're hearing in the yeah. news, like uh, jet fighters are shooting down balloons from China and stuff like that. You know, I was thinking to myself, I was like, damn, this is where being a liberal is probably like the worst situation if yeah. shit were to really go south. Because like, if you're like liberal and you're anti-guns and then like, let's say China starts attacking us, what are you going to, how are you going to protect yourself? Like, or, or like, let's say some other country tries to attack us. How are you going to protect yourself? That's a fact. That's a you fact. Know, like, I think that happens a lot. Like we think like Americans are like so uh, inclusive, so much uh, love everywhere and peace. But if you look at the history, man, America is ready to be violent in a second. Like if another country really fucks with us in that sense, like. And we don't have guns. Like, like let's say like they start invading our, like, you know, like the cities where they know there's gun laws. <laughs> That weakens us, so like it makes us like oh, a target. It's very possible. Yeah, like I you know, like I'm pretty possible. sure they know. Like okay, New York City, California, uh, other states. Those people don't have guns. Let's attack those people first. Yeah, because then they're not going to be able to protect themselves. All the ammunition and guns and that they're we can bring emasculated in. too. Yeah, and they're <laughs> emasculated. <laughs> so it's like yo, we definitely got yeah. Cali and New York. I'm saying lot. like so. You know, I think it's very important that you know guns are a thing because the way things are looking in Ukraine and Russia and stuff like that, and with China and everything. I mean, hey, I'm I'm on the verge of getting myself a gun license and having myself a gun oh, for wow. real. Like I need, I I want to, I want to protect my family. I got a daughter. I got a son. I right. got my partner. I need to, I need to protect them somehow. And that's the only way I think like if there was an invasion or something like that, that's what I would, I would whip out the gun and be like, let's right. do some, some or pay. If you're trying to get, if someone's if trying to rob you. Yeah. Well. Or someone's someone trying to rob. Yeah. yeah. Because of that, like, like a burglary. an emergency, a uh, state of emergency happens. And everyone's going crazy. Someone's trying to take the push. You know? Yeah. Gotta- someone's trying to take the push. I got to whip out the gun. I got to be on some Pedro Pascal shit and just fucking shoot motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, again, I think we're, there's a certain level of like where we need violence just for our survival. And if we're in harm's way, yeah, I mean, like, I was, it, man. yeah, because like when all that fighter jets thing was shooting things that out of the crazy. sky, I was thinking because, you know, The Last of Us, that show The Last of Us came out recently. I don't know if you heard yeah, about I it. I never heard of the it. The Last of Us is a great show on HBO. It's about like uh, the video It's based on the video game, um, The Last of Us. And one of the actors, his name is Pedro Pascal. Very, very famous oh, actor. I, I love that guy. Yeah. And um, he uh, basically, you know, like they're living. I think the, it takes place in like Texas or one of those states where there's guns. And there's like this whole like fungus um uh, infection happening mm. so people are getting infected with this fungal infection and becoming zombies and shit like oh, that and I like, like so like i was yeah. thinking like if some shit like that were to go down in new york city every, like we're fucked because we don't have guns to protect ourselves and then right. pedro pascal's over here with the pistol and the shoddy and shit running through shit like shooting people trying to like attack his daughter and him and i'm just thinking like yo like that's something that like i would want to protect myself with if that were to happen and who knows maybe i'm just being influenced by the show itself but if you know, I, I'm I'm pretty sure something will go down within this uh century, within this generation. Something's gonna yeah. go down with the way things are politically. The the political atmosphere is very heated right now. Do you have uh, thoughts or solutions for the recent violent mass shootings, and how do we address that? How do we work towards eliminating that? That is a tough one. That is a really tough one. I mean, I know like people argue like, oh, let's let's strap up the teachers or let's like, you know, things like to those extremes. Um, What I think I think what should happen is just like uh, I mean, that's a tough one, to be honest with you. Like, how do you confront that if like once again, like 
if you look at it from the liberal perspective, like if I'm a very liberal policymaker, politician, whatever, mm-hmm. I'll probably say something like, I don't know, put metal detectors in schools and increase security staff, mm. right? Which I think, you know, might be a good solution. I don't know. Like, what do you think? I, think- I mean, it happens in other places as well, right? Like it happens at the Walmart. It mm. happens at the club. Mm. It happens in different arenas and different spaces. I'm just giving you the tough question so you can answer it. <laughs> yeah, that's know. a tough question. I mean, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of cancellation for this, but I also think like, you know, um, I don't know, man. It's like, yeah, how, you, how do you prevent that from happening? I mean, you can't take away people's guns. And even if you do, there's still going to be guns on the street regardless. If you yeah. make it a law, there's still going to, law is only going to like, like insignificantly decrease that number of people who are holding, you know what I mean? But like, um, I don't know. That's a good one. I really don't know. I think in part, in part, and maybe it's not the whole solution, but in part is just like mental health for men. And because, I mean. Yeah, statistically, all these mass shooters are typically men. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen a woman go out in a mass shooting. Exactly. So we're going to have to start there. We're going to have to start that this is a, a man thing. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of these mass shootings are white males. So white male rage is something that has been broadly accepted in the history of America. Statistically. Statistically shown, right? The mean level variance is white men, but that doesn't mean that there isn't like black shooters or Hispanic shooters. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, the sniper was a black School shootings, statistically. Like the last one in, um, where where in Texas was that? Um, He was a black dude, I think. No, no, the one in Texas was a Spanish kid. What was that one with the elementary school? Oh, it was this I forgot what what place in Texas that was, but like, yeah, that mm. that guy was Hispanic. It was a Latino yeah. male. I mean, you know, it's it's not just white men, but like so we'll the start with level. men. We'll start yeah. with men addressing that it's a man thing, and mm. then we'll take it to different parts. I think that's where we start, and you know, a lot of times we don't like to talk about mental health and connect it to mm. like violence and stuff. Mm. Um, we just want to restrict and take away people's rights. But I think it has to start with some mental health as well. Yeah. And the mix of that, I think like, but like, honestly, yo, like, I think that today's generation with like education and stuff like that, like I was actually like reading this article that was saying that like many kids have actually not been going to like school in person and trying to avoid actually going to school in person. Yeah. Because of like, um, they thought the numbers were going to go up significantly back to school after COVID Mm. was a thing, but actually those numbers have been kind of like, settling in a lower amount of kids going back to school and then like i can see that there's a lot of kids that have like school anxiety and stuff like that and to be honest with you i don't think you know being in the field and working with kids with school anxiety i really don't think counseling and mental health is the answer to kids anxiety about going back to school i really don't think that's helpful at all i don't think we as counselors or social workers or guidance counselors have that power to make kids go into school yeah i i really I know this sounds very extreme, but I really do believe kids need to be forced to go to school. Like, mm-hmm. regardless of your anxiety or not, like, you're going to school. No more leeways. No more mental health outlets. No more, like, oh, we'll prescribe you antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications and you could do your homeschooling, you know, like, and provide those services to you because you're suffering. I think you really just need to force kids in there. Like, I don't think any of this mental health stuff is helpful for, like, getting kids to go back into school. I don't think talking about child's anxiety issues and parental issues at home helps them go back into school. Why am I saying that? Because I literally experienced that. 
that I try working with these kids who have school anxiety that don't go into school. And most of the time they end up taking a long time to go back where they have to then make up a lot of work or they don't go back at all. I had to experience that firsthand. And I, I don't know about making students go to school. I think you got to force it, man. I think you got to make a law that says like, if you, if you don't go to school, I mean, you know, it's going to lead to some sort of like penalty or something like, will you know, penalize you for that somehow. Like, you know, like truancy. Um, I think they should go to a education and a educational setting. Um, I, again, maybe this is really idealistic, but an educational setting that really fits them and their needs. Well, my, my, my idea is extreme as well. Like forcing kids to go to school. I mean, like, like saying something like, Oh, well, we'll penalize you. We'll, uh, find your parents a thousand dollars every time you uh, don't go to school for like what if a hundred dollars a day you don't go to school. Or they don't have that money. That, then that's that's they have to be forced to go to school and that's it. Like you're gonna have yeah. to go to school. There's no way around it. I mean, you want your you want to you're gonna suffer yourself if you're not going to school. I think you need to force kids into school. Like I don't I you know I've I think that's the only way. Like in my experience working with kids that have school anxiety. It's tough for them, man. Like, I'm telling you, like, I've tried talking to them. I try all the CBT stuff, all the DBT, all the all the emotional processing, all that stuff. Typically, like, like, like six times out of 10, it works. But what about the, the four out of 10? You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like 50% success rate there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate, you know? But I, I mean, also, school is like a kind of, I guess, also, depending on their age, school is a relatively new thing. Right. Back in the heydays, they would have other ways uh, to educate kids as well as, you know, have technical schools. I think a lot of I think a lot, a lot, a lot of especially now in this generation. Well, I, I just think that should be I, I think that should be mandated for public schools because my, my tax dollars are going to that student's education. So, like, if you're not going to school, then and I'm paying my taxes to these teachers that are getting paid to have less students in the classroom. Then, I, you know, you you need to be in school like I'm like you got to go to school. Okay, you can have your sick days, you can have your mental health days, you can have days where you're off, but when you're like not going to school because you're suffering from some sort of extreme anxiety or something like that, like come on, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta like man up. <laughs> Do you believe in emotional violence? I asked you about verbal violence. Do you believe in emotional violence? And do you think that would be in par with emotional violence? Like what, to find people to force force people to people go to school? to go to a space where they're unsafe and feeling uh, in harm's way and disempower. Well, that's a feeling. That's a feeling. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Emotional violence. Emotional yeah. violence. Maybe that, that that is an interesting question. Yeah, maybe it is emotional violence because you're forcing it. So yeah, you're, you're. I mean, but you're not being violent about it. You're just saying go, or we're gonna charge you this amount if you don't go every every day. And then like that's that's the fine. Your parents are gonna suffer, and you're gonna suffer because of that. You're making your parents lose money. So the suffering, the suffering. that that emotional yeah. suffering. Do you think that's that'll be emotional violence? I think it's emotional suffering. Violence is more like the act, like um, like kind of like oh, if I punch you in the face because you didn't go to school, yeah. or if I'm gonna shoot your parents because you're not going to school, or like I'm gonna like so beat violence you up. is more physical. Yeah, saying. like violence is more like an act, you know, like uh, I guess like it is kind of aggressive. Yeah, to do that. Yeah, like it's more aggressive. Um, but like yeah, I just I I don't know. I know it sounds extreme and I know it's crazy, but I'm just telling you guys like because of my personal experience, that's just what I believe. I just think that's the best way of doing it. Like, if you really want to have uh, att attendance rates high, that's the only way you're going to do it. I don't think, because then, you know, once again, 
we're becoming soft as a nation. So like, um, oh, you don't want to go to school today because you're not feeling well. Okay, it's fine. Stay home. Oh, today you're not going. Okay, so stay home. <laughs> oh, oh, you're not feeling well again. Oh, your stomach hurts. Okay, stay home. Oh, you have like a ingrown toenail. Okay, stay home. <laughs> oh, you have um anxiety. Okay, stay home. You know, like, and it's just like, no, like, I think you got to like really force them in there. Like, no, yeah. just go. You're going to have to go like face it, man up. Or like, I don't like using the word man up, but like, you know, uh, become stronger, you know what I mean, mentally. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, I don't know how they do it in China, but those kids go straight to school because they have strict parents that are forcing them into the school. Those parents, no, you got to go to school. Like, you're going. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. You're going. You know, like, whatever emotional toll it has, at the end of the day, school is a very, um, you know, can provide a lot of rich stuff for individuals. It can provide social success and environmental success. It could do a lot. Like, education is important. I think school and education is very important for kids. Rather than no education. Like, what's better? Kid not going to school or kid going to school? In this society. Mm. I know it sounds extreme, but... Yeah. I, well, I think it's extreme in one angle. And I think for me, it is where I'm more like my liberal side. Yeah. And it's more extreme in the other angle. Yeah. Like, you know, like the mental so, health stuff. But I'm telling yeah, you, because I, I, you know, I've I, tried. Once again, I've tried helping in kids the mental health route. And like I said, like, like 40 or 50% of the time, it's successful. I mean, I don't know about you. You, I think social workers and mental health counselors and psychologists need to step up their game in talking about these things. Well, I think part of it, and I guess, again, this is more of my idealistic side. I think there needs to be more mental health counselors and school counselors in schools. Like, if we're talking about that, because, and social workers as well. And also, I think a lot of teachers and administration also need to go through their fair share of mental health counseling evaluation or some sorts as well, because they a lot of times play the role as well. So yeah, because if you're, if you're basically saying that, like what I'm saying is like very extreme, then what about speed cameras? You know what I mean? Like a speed camera tickets you for going 45 miles. You do something wrong. You're getting a $50 fine just because you went like uh, 10 miles over the speed limit or five miles over the speed limit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like if your child's not going to school, you know what I mean? Like you should get fined for that. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's just like well, you're saying the person is wrong. I'm saying the system is wrong. Yeah, that's the difference. Mm, the system is wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, what other way would there be then? What do, what do you suggest? I again, I there's an idealistic thing. I increase mental health counselors, increase, increase mentoring, increasing programs that are attuned with people's interests and likes. Um, I again, I think teachers and administration. Um, sharpen that a lot. Like I think a lot of teachers are a little bit outdated mm -hmm. and they're not with the new societal norms. They don't know what's happening. They don't know the happenings. Yeah. Um, so I think that just improving the system and improving the educational system should take precedent that, over that's, forcing that's, kids that's to like, go to school. That's exactly like that thing about like, you know, um, uh, creating, um, what's it called? Creating like standards in competitive sports. Like you got to get to the T of everyone's subjective um, yeah. uh, wants and desires. Like you got to like look into like, oh, this particular individual likes this. So let's te let's teach them these things. It gets very to the T. And do we have the resources to even do that yet? We don't. You know, so like it's so then what's the other force them to go to school, force them to go to school and find and, them and find them. That's they're, it. They're broke. You find them more. You yeah. send them to jail. Send them to jail. Uh, no, that's not in the jail, not jail. No. I think, well, that, that's I think, I think that's extreme. China. You're talking about you're praising China. I'm sure they do a lot of things like that. So, I mean, it sounds very like I know it sounds very um, what is it called? Like what's what's China like communistic? Yeah. I guess it sounds very like communistic. But like, you know, I mean, it, 
it's just like it is what it is. You know what I mean? I just that's what I, that's my own little crazy idea. I mean, I don't I don't know. I know it sounds extreme once again, it's violent. and it's I know violent it's, vi- it's it's aggressive. But like you know, I'm just like, what else is there to do then? I mean, I agree with you too that like we should like um you know maybe increase mental health support within schools and things like that. But that's only gonna go so far. You know what I mean? Like and then also change the structure of the education system by being more um. I guess like flexible with each subjective individual's nature and well-being of what they want to learn and what they don't want to learn. But I'm pretty sure if you did that structure, every student is going to want to do video games. <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn about video games. I want to do video games. Okay, so let's teach about video games, right? And it's like, what what benefit? I guess that'll benefit society to some extent because it'll give them the um, the the lack of pressure or challenges within their lives. I mean, you know, that's another thing. You want to challenge these kids. You don't want to like spoon feed them all the way through their lives. You want to like challenge them. You don't want to like let your kid be at home all day and sitting on bed playing Fortnite. You know, you want to like get them up and start challenging them and, you know, do some things that you don't like, you know, like challenge your brain, discipline, things like that. Facts, you know? facts. And then also, then we talk more about education. It's, it goes into like technology and chat GPT. I look more into that, by the way. You did, yeah. I look more it's into crazy. that. Crazy, you use it? Yeah, yeah. I try. I, I did. So I I just used it a little bit. It's yeah. like interesting. It's a little complicated to understand. It is, yeah. But like once you get the actual part where you can type what you want, yeah, yeah. That that's that's crazy. I was like, wow. I don't even know what we're gonna do with these kids. Yo, nobody's gonna be thinking anymore. Who needs to think? <laughs> Who needs to think? <laughs> anyway, man. So this is. The MindWorks Podcast. I guess we'll close it off here for today and we'll continue in our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in. Peace. Peace.